And welcome again, everyone. It's good to be with you this morning. If your world started falling apart, I mean, really started to crumble, I mean, if, 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 if gas prices started to rise, the price of food and toilet paper and all of that, the basic freedoms were threatened, the basic moral fabric of society started to take a turn, kind of a downward turn, maybe the existence of a, of a quiet, albeit powerful moral majority just started, it, you realize this is, a, this is an illusion. What if, what if uh, allowing your kids to turn on the television set or boot up the computer or, or even the thought of taking them to an amusement park that is supposed to be family friendly uh, became something very concerning to you because you're just concerned about what kind of, kind of things they're going to be exposed to. Uh, what if, heaven forbid, this is really unthinkable actually, things got so bad that you actually weren't sure if you could trust a politician. <laughs> what, if, uh, what if war broke out? What if the President of the United States began saying things like, Armageddon might be right around the corner? Would that be a sign that, that all is lost? And, and the world, all that the world has to look forward to is this, this downward spiral, the steady rise of evil until it plunges us all into a final disastrous end. Is that what things are going to look like? Is that what we have to look forward to? And thankfully, this is all hypothetical and none of those things, we don't, none of those things are happening right now. <laughs> We've all seen those signs, the guys with the signs at the end of the Rose Parade. They're holding the signs up, or they got the Sanders boards, and it says the end is near. I remember as a child looking at those, sitting in the comfort of my own home, of course, rarely went to the Rose Parade, but watching those guys, and, along with the guys who were picking up the trash, and just thinking, really? Like, I, I don't get it. Things, are, things aren't too bad. We just had Christmas. Uh, it's a new day. It's a new year. I got a lot to look forward to this year. I just don't think it's all that bad. But for the past several years, the question seems like it keeps coming up more and more, at least to me, do you think we might be nearing the last days? Could it be that, that the final hour is upon us? I wonder. Bible actually shed some light onto that question. If we look at passages like Hebrews 1, verse 1, it says, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. In these last days. Well, it could, could be that he's just talking about in these last recent days, in the last few days, last years, Right? Then we look at passages like 1 Peter 1.20. He was foreknown, that's Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Hmm. 1 Corinthians 10.11. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And so the more you look at the Bible, the more you look at the if you're a person who reads the Bible and believes this to be God's inspired word, and therefore it has authority 
and it's completely reliable uh, in all that it teaches, then, then you come to this conclusion that the end is not near. The end is, is here. And so when someone approaches you and says, do you think we're getting close? Do you think we're getting close to those end times? You say, no, 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 no. The end, the end times are now. These are the last days. The end of the age came when Jesus showed up. That's what Acts tells us as well. Let's look at our passage this morning, Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be beginning in verse 14 and read on down. We'll just read to verse 21 uh, this morning, um, but we'll tackle this whole passage to some extent. Would you stand with me as we read from God's Word? <laughs> Sometimes it's... It, it's, it's an amazing thing to just realize what you're holding in your hands. <laughs> but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. When the Spirit of God came powerfully upon his people on the day of Pentecost, <laughs> many were amazed at what was going on here. 120 people proclaiming the mighty works of God. And they weren't just speaking boldly. And it wasn't just that they were speaking loudly and everyone was impressed by them. No, no, no. They were speaking in languages that were not their own. People in the crowd, they, they understood them, but they also knew that there was no way that these Galileans should have been able to do this thing that they're doing. And to many, it was an obvious miracle. Wow, this is, this is stunning. We've heard about these things back in the day. We've heard of God's spirit falling upon, upon uh, Saul back in the day, and him prophesying, wow, this is happening in our midst. But you know, to others, this was just a... a, a reprehensible example of mass drunkenness. <laughs> what a mess. What a despicable sight this must have been. And that's when Peter steps up and he says, this has nothing to do with alcohol. I mean, he's essentially saying, for crying out loud, it's only nine in the morning here. <laughs> On the, the, in reality, this is the direct fulfillment of prophecy, specifically Joel chapter 2. Joel indicates to us that there's going to come a time in history that is considered to be the last days. 
In the last days it shall be, God declares. And someone says, wait a second here. Do you mean to tell me that, that history, that, that our story and, and our planet, the earth's story, it's not going to go on and on forever? Do, do you mean that, that, uh, that, that with all the climate change going on, I know that's a threat right now, but if I just give the politicians a little bit more money, then we're going to save this whole thing, right? That, that, that's right, right? Not according to the Bible. <laughs> There's coming a day when the Creator is going to make a special visit. Joel calls it the day of the Lord. It's described as a great and magnificent day, but it's also a day of accountability. And it's a day when human autonomy and human self-sufficiency and rule, it comes to a screeching halt as the real king, the real boss, he walks into the shop. He steps through the door. Now that moment is the, the end, end, right? It, it, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the final kind of day that we're really looking forward to. And yet there's a period leading up to that end that is considered to be the last days or the last times. And if you looked at history in, period, in terms of periods of time, then this would be the final period. If it were a television series, this would be the final season, the one that everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> the prophecy about the last days in Joel, it looks forward to that period to those last days. But here in Acts, we come to the day of Pentecost, and Peter recognizes something here. He recognizes that the period of the last days has come. It's come. That you and I are now living in that final season. It's attested to all over the Bible. It's, it's in Peter's writings. It's in Hebrews. It's in John's letter. The time when God sends his spirit to make his home within his people, that's the age when the kingdom of God has come. And Jesus says in Matthew 4, 17, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To inquiring Pharisees in Luke 17, 20, Jesus replies, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of of you. This is the time when, when God has brought the kingdom crashing into the hearts of all who has received his son. Inside believers. That's where it begins. We talked about that just, I think it was last week. And from there it spreads out. The kingdom spreads. Kingdom indwelled people are to be kingdom seekers as they increasingly surrender to God's rule within them. And then they go out and they proclaim the kingdom out into the world, first into their families. Boyfriends do this for their girlfriends. The kingdom is here, and God's kingdom needs to rule in your life. Husbands and wives do this to each other. At least they should seek the kingdom in our relationship right here. Parents with their children, let's seek the kingdom together as a family. And we go out from there into our extended families and into our communities and in our places of work and our schools and in our nation and to the end of the earth. Jesus said in Acts 1.8. These are the days 
where the kingdom of Jesus Christ is, is here. It's actually here. But at the same time, it's not fully realized. It's the, the here but not, but not yet kind of thing. For there's going to come a day, a great and magnificent day, as Joel tells us, when the kingdom rule will be unmistakable. It'll be pervasive. It'll be unavoidable. It'll be inescapable. How close is that? I think that's what so many Christians are asking when we have these conversations. How close is that moment? Are we getting very, very close to that moment? And it sure seems that way. But I can't give you a definite answer. And if I did, then I'd probably prove to be a false prophet right then and there. Only God knows the answer to that. But we know from Paul that the present form of the world is passing away. It's in process. It's happening. But the final day, the final transition moment, isn't here yet. Like the disciples who were patiently waiting for the Spirit of God to to fall upon them, we're, we're waiting too. Waiting and waiting and waiting. When will it be? Well, don't worry. I don't think you're going to miss it. So here we are, and we're living through these last days. We're seeing all kinds of disturbing and alarming things all around us. In fact, increasing in their intensity, it seems like. If you were back with us in our study of the Gospel of Mark, you might remember uh, us reading what Jesus told his disciples. He said, many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in uh, various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. If we had a checklist, we'd just be going, false teachers? Check. We see those. Wars, check. Earthquakes, famines, check, check. And we check the boxes and the indicators are there. We would also be familiar with uh, 2 Timothy 3.3 and what is described there. Paul describes, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Amen to that. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, Abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, yes, but denying its power. Avoid such people. (laughs) And someone says, yes, 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 I have seen all of that. We're even seeing, uh, we're even seeing our governor put up billboards quoting the words of Jesus to justify helping mothers abort their children. This is how we love our neighbors, he says. Now, on top of that, we know of, of so many horrors in our time. We know, we know names like Hitler and Stalin and Mao and Pol Pot and Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden, Robert Mugabe. And that's just, that's just a short list 
We know of the unspeakable horrors that have been inflicted on humanity. We know of the, the perverse drag shows that are taking place in public sp spaces, celebrated. We know about the atrocities that are being carried out right now on children in our country in the name of gender-affirming care. What does this all tell us about the days ahead? What can we expect is coming next? The last days, they leave the world just looking forward to nothing more than the steady rise of evil and a fly, final plunge into the pit of destruction. And the answer is no way. That's not all that it has to look forward to. Look with me at Matthew 24, and then we're going to come back to Acts chapter 2. And Jesus says in 24.9, Then they, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise, lead many astray. And because, of lawless, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Boy, it sounds like he wrote that for right here, right now. It's true. According to Jesus himself, you can expect things to get ugly. His people are going to experience persecution. They can expect to be hated. They can even expect to be put to death. And we know that's happening all around the world in various places. It's beginning to happen more and more here in the U.S. Maybe not the actual putting to death part, but certainly the hatred part. And Jesus said, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Man, we're seeing that right now, aren't we? How many churches do we see exchanging the, the banner of faithfulness to God and his word for a flag that proclaims absolute sovereignty to personal preference and the rule of human self. How many uh, pastors and authors and Christian celebrities have abandoned the lordship of Jesus Christ to bow the knee to cultural relevance and popular opinion? Some of these people we once stood, stood arm in arm. Are they an ally? They look like an ally. They look like they're, they're actually, I think that person is actually a believer. And then all of a sudden they're publicly mocking and defaming and hatefully opposing the people of God. You know, it's it, for me, I can't keep track of all the names. Friends, these are dark days. But these shouldn't come to any surprise, not if we listen to the words of, of Jesus. Neither should we allow ourselves to fall into faithless patterns of thinking. Over the past uh, few years, we've seen so many Christians give way to discouragement and to anger and to even despair. And, and there, there are moments where I have, I have struggled with these myself. We've seen... We've seen people mourn over the loss of their good standing in society. We've seen them lament over the disappearance of that, that thing called the moral majority. We've seen them even condemn other Christians 
uh, for not doing all that they can to take back the American flag and hoist it high with a certain righteous indignation. And they're pointed to Christians who aren't getting all on board under that banner and saying, you're not a Christian. Do you not know what this Christian thing is all about? And Christians divide. Have you been tempted to go down one of these paths? These are dark days. But look at what Jesus says next. The one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Did you catch it? Even as the nations dive deeper and deeper into that pit of depravity, even as they rage against God and his church, the kingdom mission, it goes forward. And not only will it go forward, it will succeed. It's there. Our Savior, our risen King, said it himself. The proclamation of the gospel will go out to all the nations and all people groups of the earth will have heard the news. They will hear of the excellencies of the one who calls people out of darkness and into his marvelous light. They will know. They will know, whether they choose to accept it or not, that's a, that's a whole other thing, but they will know that Jesus Christ is God's gift of salvation to all who believe. How is that possible, you say? Things are getting so dim and so dark and so uh, hate-filled and vitriolic. It's pervasive. It's everywhere. How does this happen? How can this happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit working extraordinarily through God's people you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in judea all judea and samaria and to the end of the earth friends if the spirit of christ is in you you are that people you've been empowered with the supernatural power and has been entrusted with a sacred calling. No, you're not placed on this earth to sit back and enjoy the good life. No, nor is your task to establish some kind of mainstream uh, utopia here, or, or to simply be good citizens and, and help promote uh, prosperity in your country. No, above all else, you're here to be witnesses. This is your place in God's program. This is why you've been born to this particular place in this particular time in history. Your life exists to give testimony to the mighty works of God. You're here to bear witness to, give an answer for the hope that is within you. Can that happen on a high school campus? Can it happen in the workplace? There are obstacles, but yes. Can it happen at the donut shop or at the auto store or at the big box uh, supply store? 
Can it happen as you do things that you're skilled at doing and things that you even enjoy doing with other people? Can that happen from a hospital bed? Oh, yes, it can really happen there. Can that happen if you're a stay-at-home mom spending every waking moment with your children? Yes, it absolutely can happen there. And that's one of the most significant places it happens. Does that mean you should think about how you can can get out there and form relationships, intentionally bring the good news to people you don't yet have contact with. If you're able, yeah. Does that mean you might, there, there might be a, a better use for, for your money or your talents or your time or your resources than just increasing your comfort and entertainment experiences and personal security? No doubt. To the last days, they leave the world looking forward to nothing more than the steady rise of evil and a sharp decline into a disastrous end. Not if God's spirit is truly here, moving in and through his people powerfully to be witnesses. Quoting Joel, Peter says, and in the last days, It shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. That word prophesy, sometimes we we don't like to touch it. but, But you know what it really is all about, right? It's not necessarily about foretelling the future. It's not necessarily about making predictions or uh, declaring new revelations here. No, prophecy, to prophesy, is to speak forth. And when it comes to God's people, that means speaking forth the word of God. It's to proclaim the inspired utterances of God that he has revealed. And in our case, now that we have the, the complete and authoritative word of God that that's been given, that means speaking the truth of Scripture. For God, Joel prophesied, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And Peter tells us that's exactly what is happening here at Pentecost. It had nothing to do with whether they were young or old, whether they were men or women, whether they were skilled or unskilled. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon Christ's church, and they began their work of passionately and boldly proclaiming Jesus to the nations. All kinds of nations were represented there. It was like the ends of the earth came to Jerusalem, and they were hearing the word of God in their own tongues This is where it begins, and this is where it continues. Yes, even in these days, even in the days that are still ahead where God will show those wonders, all of that prophecy in Joel, it's it's not completely fulfilled yet, is it? Show the wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke, and you can look at Revelation to get better descriptions of this. Even when the sun is turned to darkness and the moon to blood, all the way up to the day of the Lord, the great and magnificent day. And do you know what will happen? It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And somebody says, probably no one in this room, but somebody says, not everybody. Not, not, that would mean that even some of those politicians, that, that would mean that even some of those activists, that would mean that those fully immersed in lifestyles that are opposed to God's design, that, that would mean that even some of those uh, who are carrying out some of those despicable horrors that we see going on in the world, they're going to potentially be saved also? That's right. It's not our job to try to guess who will embrace this and who will not. Our job is just to get the word out. And that's what Peter does right here in Acts chapter 2. He, he does three things. I just want to point out quickly. Three things. You, you, can, you can look at the sermon he gives here, and you can break it down, and you can, can get into every nuance. And I encourage you to do that. There's important stuff in there. But I just want to take a more bird's-eye view of this and look at what he's basically doing here. The first thing he's doing is just speaking to their need. Speaking to their need. They didn't know that they were in need. In fact, they thought they had gotten rid of their, their needs when they got rid of that blasphemer, that heretic, and they crucified him on a cross. But by quoting from Joel here, Peter points them to evidence that they're now living in the last days. They didn't think they were living in the last days. The last days are coming. Yeah, when the Messiah comes, that'll be the last days. We're not living in those times right now. They were there, though, witnessing the, the fulfillment of prophecy right then and there in their midst. And Peter says, do you see? Do you see what's in Joel? Do you see what's happening right here? Do you see? This means that the last days are upon us. Could it be, some of them may have been thinking, that those terrible wonders in the heavens signaling God's return are right around the corner? Maybe they are. What does this mean? We thought we were good. We just put Christ to the cross. Everything is well and good, but now we're not so sure. These people were well acquainted with the fact that the day of the Lord, when you talk about the day of the Lord, you're talking about a day that is, that is glorious and magnificent, yes, but it's a day of judgment as well. And as they listened to Peter talk, knowing that Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, I don't know if they knew what, what Peter did when Jesus was on trial. I don't know if they knew that. The cowardly Peter but they're seeing him now. They're seeing him bold. Knowing that there, there's evidence right there in their midst of something supernatural going on that actually does, yes, it does correspond to what happened, what Joel is talking about. It's happening right here. Being told that they're, they're now living in these last days should be anticipating the arrival of the day of the Lord. You can bet that all of their attention zeroed in on what Peter was talking about. Something's going on here. We thought this whole Jesus thing was put to, put, put to an end. If it's true that the day of the Lord was approaching, they wanted to know. And they wanted to know how to avoid judgment. Did they have a need? They had a need. And that's where Peter takes them to the next step, and he proclaims the answer to their need. Jesus is the answer. Who is the name upon which they must call to be saved? They knew that a Messiah, that an anointed one was coming. God made them that promise all the way back to their father, Abraham. One's going to come. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through this one. After Peter quoted Joel, they, they would have been thinking, if, you know, if, if we're living in the last days, then that means... 
the Messiah has already come. Who is he? They would have been asking. You know, in a similar way, people these days are asking, what, what, what is the answer? Comes in all sorts of different forms. Do you see what's going on here? Do you see what's going on here? What, what, how do we fix this? What's the answer? How are we going to get out of this inflation mess? <laughs> what's the answer to all this conflict and all this unrest in the world? Man, it just seems like it keeps going on and on. We keep getting more and more advanced as a society. You would think all these things would start dying down and everyone would get on board with the new, the new iPhone and just be like, yeah, we all got it. Yeah, we're good, right? Let's high five. It's not working that way. How am I going to stay well if everybody around me gets sick? How do I, how do I make sense of all, all this evil stuff going on around me? How are we, we going to stop uh, and put, it, put an end to these corrupt movements that keep springing up? And they pit people against each other. They play on their emotions. They get people fighting with one another. And then they ask for donations. They keep grabbing up more and more money and then spend it all on things that are all corrupt. How, 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 how do I know who I truly am deep down inside? People keep telling me to look in here. What's it telling me? How do, I, how do I really know? Because I feel this way one day and I feel this way next. Some are asking, how can I experience maximum joy and satisfaction? You see them out there, they're pursuing. Some are asking, why am I here? Peter he points to the answer that they needed. It's not the answer that they wanted. I guarantee you, they did not want this answer. Jesus, are you kidding me? They don't want to hear about Jesus. <laughs> they just got over crucifying Jesus. They were sick and tired of hearing about Jesus. We put a stop to that. This Jesus wasn't going to cause any more trouble. The blasphemer is gone. The fact that he died upon that cross even. Do you remember Deuteronomy 21, 23? The fact that he hung on a cross means he was cursed by God, not this Jesus. You know, people these days don't want to hear about Jesus either, do they? It doesn't matter if that's exactly what they need. Did it take incredible courage for Peter to stand up there? Yeah. Could that have landed Peter in prison? Absolutely. It does later on. Could speaking the name of Jesus be a risky thing for you and for me? We noted at the end of uh, last week that just being here, becoming a member of this church down the road, that could be risky for you as well. And notice, Peter doesn't sugarcoat anything here, does he? he? He says, this Jesus is the same one who attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. The evidence is all around people. You saw all the evidence. You saw the signs. You saw the wonders. You saw the amazing things that he did. It all pointed that Jesus was the guy that he claimed to be. They should have believed him. All the evidence pointed there. And then Peter says, this Jesus... <laughs> delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You need to understand that God's in control even while you were doing the things that you were doing. But you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, meaning the Romans. You crucified him. You killed him. You should have known. Boy, that's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? Imagine what, what hearing that must have been like. I think for some, they, they would have just been infuriated. How dare you? I actually love that phrase. How dare you? 
But I think for many, many others, it would have been terrifying. Could it be that we've made a terrible mistake? I think we made a terrible mistake. What does this mean for us? There's no hope for us. We did the worst thing that could ever be done. When the great day of the Lord comes, are we going to be the ones laying out there on that barbecue? I think there were a lot of people in that second camp. You know, when you, when you kill somebody, you really want them to stay killed, don't you? <laughs> because if they don't, then there's a chance that they might not like being killed by you, and they might come back to get you. <laughs> That's kind of a terrifying thought. After giving further evidences, even from their own scriptures, that Jesus had been raised from the dead to glory, verse 37 says, they were cut to the heart that there is a living Lord who, after having done all the essential things necessary to save humanity from the judgment of God, that he's now preparing himself to return. That can be a scary thought. And yet this is the answer that they needed. And it's the answer that everybody needs. Because... If you embrace the answer, then you know that wrongs will be made right. Abuses done toward you will be brought to justice. And true healing, full, complete healing, will be known. It means that tears will be wiped away. It means that selfish hearts are no longer going to reign No more needs, no more heartache, no more headaches, no more fears, no more battle with those who would attempt to take away your freedoms, no more struggles or dictators or death and dying. Jesus is the answer to all that and more. What shall we do, they ask? And that's where Peter simply calls them to faith and repentance. He said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you. Even you, who have done the worst of the worst thing, it's for you. But you know who it's also for? It's for your children. Because they need this as well. And it's for all who are far off. A phrase in scripture that means those who were outside of the Jewish community, those pagans, those Gentiles, those who were really lost out there, didn't even have God's law to follow. He says, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. That's a bold statement. Friends, This is the pattern of the faithful witness. It's very, very simple. You point to the need. You proclaim Jesus as the answer, which he is, and you call him to faith and repentance. That's it. It's not exactly what many would call a recipe for success. Uh, That's where uh, we've got to remember that that success in this game is achieved far beyond our pay grade. And just as the Spirit is the one who empowers his people to be bold witnesses, so it's the Spirit that powerfully melts hearts and opens eyes and tears down the barriers 
and brings people to Jesus. And verse 41 says, So those who received his word were baptized. There were a few. It says, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And so it begins. Yes, the skies will grow dark and darker. Yes, the, the horrible atrocities, they, they take place. Yes, former allies, even family members will turn on you. But think of these 120 disciples here in Jerusalem. They're, they're walking among the very same people who made those bloodthirsty cries, crucify him, crucify him. Th those people were there, and, and they had witnessed it. They were making eye contact with some of the very same faces that were filled with that same vitriol sent Jesus to the cross. And as they're speaking, and as Peter is speaking, he knows full well that what they did to Jesus, they can do to him. But as the Spirit of God empowered them, they burned with white-hot passion and pointed people to the name upon which they could be saved. Friends, th this is who we must be. This is who we must be in our time and our place as the world crumbles and terrible decisions are being made that frustrate us to no end, as atrocities are being committed in the name of love, as demonic voices are calling for our children, we must proclaim the name of Jesus in our homes, in our communities, throughout our nation, to the end of the earth. These are the last days. The end, the final end, is coming. And the return of the risen king draws near. As the people of Bethany live through the darkness of the last days, may the Spirit of God empower them to passionately proclaim Christ to the ends of the earth. That's my prayer for us. Would you join me in that prayer for this people, this small community, this small outpost here in North County, California? Until the task is finished, may we faithfully declare that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we step into the coming days with our eyes fixed on the risen and returning Savior. May we not be terrible, uh, fearful, Lord, of the terrors at night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. In these last days, Lord, may our trust and our hope be found all in you. And may we boldly, passionately proclaim Jesus Christ to the end of the earth. And everyone says, amen.